0: And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Today is the first monthly visit of 2022 of Nan Calvert from Pike Wynn. And uh, as many of you know, Nan Calvert joins us uh, each and every month throughout the year and booking interesting guests to join her to talk about some kind of topic uh, related to the environment. And I know she is exceptionally excited about the special guest that is joining us today on The Morning Show. First, Nan Calvert, a warm welcome to you. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners as well. It's good to be here.
0: So tell us about your connection with one Allison Werner.
1: Oh, Allison and I uh, go way, way back, (laughs) way far back to River Bend days. Uh, and so Allison's professional progression, her career arc has been exciting to witness. Uh, you know, remember, I think Allison is still very well known in the Racine and Kenosha area. Um, and then um, she's gone on to do really wonderful things. She started out, well, didn't start out, but eventually became the first executive director of Root Pike Watershed Initiative Network um, and has. Um, continued her, her quest for a clean environment, her fight for the environment, um, all of her professional life. And I think it's very exciting to have her on and talk about what she does with the River Alliance of Wisconsin and what the Alliance does. Um, very exciting stuff. I'm glad Allison was able to join us today.
0: Yeah, as, as am I. So via the wonders of Zoom, Allison <laughs> Werner, we welcome you uh, to the morning show. Welcome you back to the morning show, actually.
2: Well, good morning to both of you, Greg and Nan, and uh, so lovely to be here, and as I mentioned to Greg and Nan before, so thrilled to know this program uh, has continued, what, for, I'm going to say decades now, um, because time does fly, Uh, so thrilled to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: You bet. Before we get to uh, the River Alliance of Wisconsin, uh, I think our listeners would uh, enjoy hearing a little bit about your own background, where you come from originally. And uh, Nan has already touched on a couple of the high points of your professional life, but maybe you can kind of lay the groundwork for uh, where this career kind of originates.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, So I am a Racine native um, and, you know, spent many years uh, enjoying the waters of Lake Michigan and poking around the root river. Um, I'm a Park High School alum, so right near the root river. Uh, Went to college at UW-Milwaukee with a conservation degree, so plenty of time uh, learning about and enjoying our waters while I was at school in Milwaukee. And it was at that time, uh, I was originally going to be a nurse, which Nan can relate to. uh, (laughs) And I changed career paths my first year in college It just, you know, one semester of anatomy and physiology. And I went, "Mm, this isn't for me. (laughs) And I took a whole bunch of classes. including a bunch of conservation climate point on. Uh, I pretty much almost dropped out of school with how much time I spent at Riverbend in Hawthorne Hollow teaching uh, during my second year of college. And I went to Parkside then and just enjoyed it so much. So I uh, followed the path of environmental education at Riverbend for many, many years, which is where Nan and I passed crossed, And it was at Riverbend when uh, the director there, Dave White at the time, went to Lake Michigan on one of those days where the beach was closed. You know, it was a third of the swimming season back then. And he came back to the nature center and said, you know, I went to take family from out of state to the beach and it was closed. And we're the nature center in town. We should do something about this. And there was the turning point of environmental education to becoming more you know, involved in community advocacy and organizing of how do we make a change for our community And those of you that are familiar with Keeper Beaches Open, that's how it began. And I think it was relatively about, you know, it took about a decade of time, but that, you know, the beaches in Racine went from being closed a third of the swimming season to a handful of days. And it was, you know, a community effort, a partnership between the City Racine Health Department and Julie Kinsman's great work and all of that. But that's how my water path. Uh, got launched was my time at, at Riverbend. And and from there, as Nan mentioned, Root Pike Win became part of Riverbend. And we formed, turned that into a nonprofit um, around 2000, 2001. And my time there uh, brought me on the path here to Riverlines of Wisconsin, who helped Root Pike Win in its early days with, you know, how to get a good foundation together as an organization. So
0: that, that's my story. <laughs> well wow. I'm curious what your intentions were before you had this fateful experience with Dave White where he turned you on to uh, advocacy and how that has become kind of a predominant theme for you uh, ever since. Leading up to that though what what were your ultimate aspirations uh, professionally? I mean what What were you going to do until you got, in a sense, hijacked onto this different path?
2: (laughs) Uh, My intention, I had considered being a classroom teacher. One of my really great uh, high school biology teachers at Park High School was trying to encourage me to go on that path. But I really enjoyed environmental education. I really enjoyed working with younger children. Um, You know, as Nan may relate to, also, uh, you know, their eyes are wide open, they're eager, they're not jaded yet, anything's possible, and, you know, all of that, and that's just so energizing every day to work, you know, at Riverbend, we worked with kids mostly in elementary school age, and oh, so just hit repeat every day on seeing kids' eyes just light up of learning something new and connecting with nature. I mean, it's just a wonderful experience, so that was that was my path. I was planning to do that for a very long time, and uh, and again, it's you know, everything's connected, as those of us in the ecology fields know. And so, you know, with River Bend being on the Root River, water was always part of what we taught there and connected kids to. Um, so it, I feel it was a natural evolution to work more and more in the water uh, side of things.
0: Before we get to uh, your work with River Alliance of Wisconsin, I hope you don't mind if we circle back a little to that beaches thing. And again... Mm-hmm how Dave White kind of turned you on to uh, advocacy work. I think it would be just interesting to explore this. It's it's related, of course, to the work that you do with River Alliance of Wisconsin, but especially for the sake of of uh, listeners from Kenosha County or Walworth County, uh, for listeners not from Racine, who maybe don't know the story of, of our beaches and why at one point they had to be repeatedly closed and what needed to happen in order for them to be safely kept open. Explain a little bit about what that alarming situation was, and how that alarming situation could be addressed.
2: Sure, and you know, I was actually thinking about this a bit last year. I, I, you know, in the world we're in now, I virtually attended Dave White's retirement party last year. Uh, so he's been in Arizona for a few years, and so I was thinking back to those times recently. And you know, it's it's the same story for almost all of our waters in the state and anywhere. Of you know, it's the impact of runoff. So what you know, what hits as the water hits the land, what it lands on, what it passes through, you know, is carried to our waters. And so for the Racine beaches, uh, all of you know that rainwater, all that stormwater, is going over the streets and and such, and you know, bringing all the pollution along with it and nutrients and bacteria along with it. And so a lot of testing had been done of high E. coli levels uh, in the waters that were coming to the beach there. And, you know, there's a storm sewer outlet right there. um, I'm testing my memory here, I believe around English Street uh, there on North Beach. And, you know, that was definitely a known place where, you know, Water had that opportunity to get warm and for bacteria to grow. And so, with all sorts of partnership and study, you know, again, I want to give so many kudos to Julie Kinzelman at the City of Racine Health Department. She partnered with the state and with EPA and brought in scientists and resources, uh, folks from UWM, to really research what was happening there and therefore to be able to find those solutions so the storm sewer there at the outlet was reconfigured and re-engineered and uh, a really cool centrifuge system was designed to pull out the trash and such and also we have a retention basin there to allow the water to settle and the bacteria to sink into the sand and so that the water that was coming out of that s- storm system was cleaner than what was coming in before um, how the sand was groomed on the beaches was studied And that was a big piece of, can we turn over the sand just the right amount of depth to get sunlight to hit it to attack that bacteria so that when the waves were crashing up onto the sand, it wasn't pulling in high bacteria sand into the water. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting other things because it's been just a few years since uh, (laughs) we've worked on, you know, been a part of this work but it was efforts like that and many others. But again, it was collaboration, it was research and then a willingness to raise the money, find the grants, put the resources in, to implement those solutions. And that beach and the community is now recognized in the state in the Great Lakes region. It's an example for EPA of how to do this kind of work um, in other communities as well.
1: Yeah, Julie's North Beach project is uh, a project that's won awards and accolades. uh, In addition to all of those things that Allison just mentioned, They also created some topography on the beach so that it wasn't completely flat and therefore the volume and the velocity of water coming across the beach was slowed and sort of controlled in a sense, allowed to percolate back down underground. And of course we can't go without mentioning native plants that were put into uh, various places on the beach. And we know that native plant root systems are are really um, what makes our water cycle work so very well. Uh, So that's kind of how a beach should look, not flat and groomed and devoid of of plant matter, but topography works in these instances. Really great project. Hmm.
0: Uh, Allison, it sounds like this was a case where uh, (laughs) most likely the basic problem was very much understood right from the outset. I mean, why we have this problem with the beach, but in terms of the specifics of the problem, and also the specifics of the solution. It sounds like that was not a particularly simple matter. Uh, can you kind of take us inside the process by which those kind of determinations are made? Uh, who makes those determinations, and how? In terms of how to tackle uh, a, a, a problem like North Beach.
2: Sure. And again, I think this is something that you know you can replicate in your in any community you know, there's gonna be variables that are specific to your community, but you're looking at who the decision makers are, right? And and so for this uh, specific issue, you know, it's city Racine owned property. And so this is why the health department, the parks department, the public works department were all involved. And so it was, you know, multiple departments within the city having to sit down together to collaborate and figure out each other's roles and solutions, and again, know always going to talk about the importance of then you know local people the grassroots folks coming to the table also to say this is important to us it matters for our health it matters for our local economy and the tourism you know all the reasons of why we need clean water so for any community it's knowing who your decision makers are in the decision making process and having local advocates who are willing to sit down with folks to say we have a problem, we know we can find solutions, how do we collaborate together? And that kind of formula, you can again, then overlay which situation you have, but hit repeat on uh, then how do we work together to find those solutions?
0: For those of you just joining us uh, on today's morning show, first of all, it's the first 2022 visit of our good friend Nan Calvert from Route Pike Wynn. And for this first show of 2022, Nan has invited uh, back to the morning show Allison Werner, formerly of Root Pike Wind, formerly of the uh, Riverbend Nature Center in Racine, now executive director of a nonprofit called River Alliance of Wisconsin. And uh, that's what we're going to spend the balance of our conversation talking about the important work that they do. Uh, so, Allison, first of all, tell us a little bit about this organization and how long they have been around.
2: Absolutely. Um, so River Alliance of Wisconsin, uh, we've been around almost 30 years. We started in 1993 and we are a statewide organization, so nonprofit, non just like Rupai Quin, but serving the entire state of Wisconsin. And while we've done many things to help protect and restore rivers over the years, what's at our core is empowering people. So it's providing education training support to individuals and groups like Rupaikwan all across the state to help them protect our rivers that are just so important to the you know entire state for you know not only the health of our lands and waters but the health yeah, economic health of our communities as well many of our rivers are you know that lifeblood that you know runs through the city runs through our community and provides so much uh, resources to each community they they flow through
0: Uh, This sounds like a strange question, but how how would you compare the importance of our rivers versus the importance of our lakes? Is there something about rivers and what they are that make them, in a sense, a more complicated and significant player in kind of the uh, environmental landscape?
2: Ooh, uh, if, if my friend, Mike Engelson, the executive director of Wisconsin Lakes is listening right now, we're not gonna pit rivers and lakes against each other. Uh, we all work together. Um, they often flow in and out of each other. Um, but you know, some of the, the differences and, and to be honest, some of the challenges of working uh, on a river system is that it's dynamic, it's flowing, it's moving, right? So when we talk about pollution and nutrients, being carried from a river, this is one of our challenges, right? Your pollution that happens upstream is gonna flow downstream. So our downstream communities often raise their hands and say, hey, we didn't create this problem. It happened miles and miles upstream, but now we're dealing with the aftermath and the expense to deal with this. So this is one of our river challenges is that, again, a dynamic system, again, some rivers do flow, of course, in and out of lakes, but for lakes that are, you know, a little more self-contained, uh, you end up with a system where the advocates for those lakes are often the homeowners around it. And our advocates for our rivers are not necessarily only landowners along the river, but users of the river. You know, people who live in the community that appreciate the full, again, ecological connection to the river in their community. Um, so it's few all water is important. I will, I will <laughs> make sure we say that. And again, it's it's all connected. And for us at River Lines, you know, it's part of something we've talked about uh, all through our existence. But definitely in the last few years of again that very simple all water is connected. But we do work on groundwater issues in the Central Action Coalition because of the overpumping of high capacity wells impacting our rivers and lakes. You know the Little Plover Rivers become the poster child that years ago, a section of it dried up for a while because of over So we've also been more and more looking at and talking about solutions that deal with the entire system. So how do we look at groundwater issues to find a balance of use so that agriculture can have the water they need while also making sure our rivers and lakes have the water they need to survive as well and be healthy ecosystems.
0: That sounds like the theme that Nan is forever trumpeting on this program about the interconnectedness of of things and also the kind of the interconnected and sometimes competing concerns of various constituencies. And Nan, you've seen that play out uh, in all kinds of ways in all kinds of places.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, usage issues and usage rights are becoming more and more complex now because of the uh, global warming crisis. So, you know, even if we think about now here in the Root Pike watershed, we've had very little snow at all. And so that snow turns into snow melt, which replenishes groundwater. It flows into our rivers, lakes, and streams. So we are definitely in a deficit Um, And so water um, is frequently not as plentiful as it used to be. Now, it's true that in the spring and mostly in the spring, we have these sort of deluges of rainfall. So we get a whole lot really quickly. Uh, We have flooding issues. We have a lot of erosion issues. Um, And then during the rest of the growing season, we just kind of all walk around going, gosh, I wish it would rain. I wish it would rain. Um, so we, we, have, um, we have some difficult challenges ahead of us in terms of water availability, water quality, um, and, you know, who gets it and who has to pull back a little bit. So it's becoming much more difficult.
0: Allison, it's probably important for our listeners to understand the nature of the River Alliance of Wisconsin, that, uh, that you are not uh, a government agency, for instance. And you don't come at these issues with, I don't think, with any sort of legal authority to kind of impose your will in terms of what needs to happen. Uh, c- clarify the kind of organization that that River Alliance of Wisconsin is and the means by which you try to accomplish what you try to accomplish.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so we are a nonprofit organization, so not a governmental entity, but our relationship with government is we try to partner, collaborate, and influence the actions of Department of Natural Resources and our state legislature. Right? Uh, Department of Natural Resources is our regulatory entity here in the state that it is their job to make sure our current laws uh, that we have to protect our waters uh, are implemented correctly. And as, you know, as much as the law will allow us to protect our waters. uh, And then, you know, the state legislature sets those rules. And uh, unfortunately in the last, you know, decade or so uh, we've seen a lot of rollback of our, what had been very good laws on our books to protect our waters. Uh, The previous administration had different viewpoints on the role of government and, and such. So we've seen a lot of backsliding on protections. And so that's something we work on. We are an advocacy organization. So we educate our members on things like proposed legislation and the pros and cons of each bill that we think is important uh, happening in the state and how to use their voice, how to use you know their ability to talk to our elected officials to let them know how they feel about specific pieces of legislation, but most importantly, why having clean water is important to our health and our economy of Wisconsin. Um, one thing we've been working on for uh, the last couple of years is to show that clean water is a nonpartisan issue. And we sincerely believe this, being a statewide organization that's been around for this long, we've talked to many, many people, you know, in cities and in rural communities, North, South, you know, every every bit of the state And I've truly seen that this is a nonpartisan issue, right? This is a health and economic issue. And so one of the ways we're trying to show that and give people the opportunity to use their voice is we've started a campaign called Clean Water Now. And we have been encouraging communities at the county level to put a non-binding referendum question on their ballots to allow voters to have the opportunity to say, clean water matters to them and that our state needs to take more action on clean water issues. Uh, So far uh, last spring, Marquette, Portage and Wood County put the question on their ballot with over 70% of the voters in each of those counties saying yes to clean water. Uh, Currently, uh, just this week, Eau Claire County Board voted to put this question on their ballot for April's election this year, as well as La Crosse. And other communities are in the process of working on uh, adding this question to their ballot in 2022.
0: So when we're talking about clean water, I guess one of the most basic questions to ask is what makes water unclean and what are the, what are the most sort of significant or pervasive causes of unclean water? But let's start first with how you're using that term, uh, clean water versus, for instance, fresh water.
2: Right. Well, in clean water, it gets at kind of an EPA standard of, is it fishable? Is it swimmable? And for us humans, is it drinkable? Really important. I mean it drinkable for our fish and other critters in the water too, but that's some, the basic standard, right? We, we need to be able to drink this water. We need fish to be healthy and the, the you know, other uh, plants and animals in our water and, uh, we need to be able to recreate safely in our water. So that becomes kind of the baseline standards, very, very simple things, right? Um, and then to your question of, you know, so how does our water become polluted or not clean? And it, it's it varies across the state, depending on if you're in a rural or urban community, but some of our biggest polluters statewide are nitrates. So if you hear folks talking about having high nitrates in their water, um, That is a significant public health issue. There are severe illnesses connected to drinking water, high in nitrates, especially for pregnant women and young children. And that is coming from agricultural runoff. It is the fertilizers that have nitrates that are getting into our drinking water. So it's, you know, back to the comment you made before, it's a known situation. We know the source. Uh, there are many studies in the state that show the significance of this issue across the state. And our solutions is helping our agricultural community use less nitrate to keep nitrate on their land, not having it run off. We talked about that runoff again before. So keeping, you know, using less, keeping it on their land and, you know, are some of the simplest ways we can re- reduce the impact of nitrates in our water. But I think one thing a lot of folks don't know, and, you know, I will definitely put myself in that category years ago, of, you know, I think we take for granted in the state of Wisconsin that anywhere you go, you're going to turn on a tap and have safe water to drink. And that is not the case. And when I was pregnant, I was on a staff trip in uh, a county in the northeast part of the state. And in their county building was a sign of do not drink this water because it's high in nitrate. And a staff person came and caught me before I filled up my water bottle and said, you're pregnant, do not drink this water here. And it's something you don't think about in the state of Wisconsin, right? And again, why does a river organization care about drinking water? It goes back to all of our water being connected, right? If we, if humans can't drink this water coming to the tap, this is also affecting the health of our lakes and our rivers and our groundwater. Again, it's all connected. And those nutrients are causing health issues. They're also causing ecological issues, you know, phosphorus, nitrates grow our algae that uh, for some parts of the state is where Uh, People are seeing toxic blue-green algae in their water, which is impacting recreation. There are uh, are communities along the Wisconsin River and the central part of the state that marinas are closed because the algae is so high. People don't want to go recreate, and all those businesses along those rivers are being financially impacted when that happens. So we've been working on a program called Clearwater Farms, working with farmers who want to change their practices, want to improve and be stewards of their lands uh, so that, you know, the, the term used a lot is healthy soils. Soil is so valuable for farmers and keeping it in place helps them. It also helps our waters. And, you know, Nan, your favorite topic of native plants and root systems and all of that, you know, when we have things like cover crops that stay all year round, or, you know, folks who do no-till where we're leaving vegetation to help hold those soils in place. Some of those simple practices can make a big difference. So we've started a program where we're working in collaboration with farmers who are implementing those kinds of practices and looking at their work at a watershed level. There's uh, several farmer led councils across the state where farmers are getting together in their community to say, what can we learn together? What practices can we test and compare together. And you know what resources can we put together? Can we share equipment, some no-till equipment so that more and more farmers can do these practices? And we're working in collaboration with a couple of the farmer led councils that are working on a watershed level in Marathon, Stock and Dodge County that are also bringing community members in, are bringing in the watershed groups and the county staff to say, how do we look at this at a watershed community global scale where we can start sharing resources and ideas together?
0: I suspect that the work that you did uh, with Root Pike Wynn was uh, a really essential facet of your education and training and experience uh, to tackle a lot of what you're tackling with River Alliance of Wisconsin. Uh, explain what that connection has been.
2: Oh, I, I, we could take up several hours on that one. Um. But, you know, some of the things that you know, comes kind of top of mind is, you know, what I mentioned uh, several times now, it, this collaboration is just so important. No one group, no one person does this work alone. And for Root Pike Win, the origins were in the state-led uh basin initiative. Um, so there was a Root Pike Basin group formed from UW from UW Extension and Department of Natural Resources. And which was replicated, the idea of the state was the 20 some of these larger water basins in the state so that several watersheds together, you know, so those of you that have seen the map of the Root Pike Basin, that is the hydro. i was using all my technical terms to try to bring it down, the hydrologic connection of all that land in the Root Pike Basin is all flowing into Lake Michigan. So that's why it's connected together as a basin. Uh, for other parts of the state, it's you know looking at lands that flow into the Wisconsin River, the Mississippi River, Lake Superior. So we're looking at these larger land areas together. And the idea with this basin initiative, uh, this was in the late 90s, was to bring stakeholders together in that basin to learn together, collaborate together, to find resources together. So this is you know city recin staff, county staff, uh, but local folks as well. Universities were involved. And it put all these smart people in the room together and said, can we talk about what we know about our challenges and what can we do together? What are some solutions we can do together? So that's how RootPike Wind began, was that collaborative effort. And one, so there were several other basins in the state that did quite well with that model. The Rock River Coalition formed that way as well. Uh, Lakeshore Natural Resource Partnership in the Northeast kind of Door County part of the state used that same model to grow into regional watershed groups but that that piece of no matter where we work across the state it has to be a collaborative effort and even if it's a small watershed it's looking at who are all the people again who are the decision makers who are your you know people in the community at the grassroots level who care that are going to roll up their sleeves to protect their waters
0: how big a difference is it uh rural versus urban i mean i think When I just try to think about the issue of keeping our waters clean and our our rivers clean and so on, it just seems like, I mean, a river is not a river. I mean, in some ways it is, but in some ways, when you think about rivers in, for instance, the northern part of Wisconsin, which is so much more rural, so much more sparsely populated versus rivers that one run through a place like Milwaukee or Madison or Beloit or so on. What kind of difference does that make in terms of the kind of problems that exist and, uh, and the pathway to solutions for those problems?
2: Uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a difference. Uh, you know, our northern waters in general, you know, uh, because they are the headwaters of many of our systems are relatively cleaner, right? But they still have their challenges. Uh, like we talked about, it's, it's a lot of the times the agricultural runoff issue that we're looking at in the northern part of the state. Um, Southern, you know, as you get more urban, you're you're dealing with, again, more of that, you know, urban stormwater runoff. So we're talking about, you know, an issue with pipe wind works on a a lot in other groups, we're we're looking at road salt and chlorides and chemicals and things like that, that come off our urban lands. Uh, But you know, the the other difference is just population based, right? Um, A lot of the rural groups we work with, one of their biggest challenges is just the number of people available to get rolling up those sleeves. There's fewer people, right, than in our urban communities. And they're often geographically spread out a little farther, too. So there are equal number of people who care about these issues across the state. But our rural communities have some more challenges of just sheer population base and being spread out a little bit more. Um, You know, one of the other issues that's consistent across the state, urban and rural is aquatic invasive species, you know, and that's a program we've uh, been working on at River Lions for for many years of trying to, you know, provide some education and information and training around how to prevent the spread of invasive species, because that's where um, often our downstate urban folks go travel up to those pretty places up north and bring invasive species with them, right? And so we're working on very simple things people can do of cleaning their gear, you know, their boats, their waders, their fishing equipment to make sure we're doing our best not to spread these invasive species around because they really stress our ecosystem. And uh, it's an important issue we've been working on. And um, along those lines, and and Nan, I, I think you have some connection to this and I know you're a dog lover, um, one of the very exciting things we're doing around invasive species is we've partnered with Conservation Dogs Collective. Dogs have very powerful noses and they can sniff out lots of things. And one of the things uh, this group of dogs are working on is using scent detection to smell the New Zealand mud snail, which is a newer invasive species in Wisconsin. It is an eighth of an inch long grain of rice, teeny, teeny tiny, But when it gets into a river system, they can just take over the bottom, the substrate of a river very, very quickly. And they're junk food to our fish and out compete other things in the ecosystem. But they're also hard to find because they're so small. They can be transported really quickly. And so what the dogs are working on right now is to get to the point where they could sniff a sample and tell us, is this mud snail present or absent in the sample? to then know if further research needs to be done for humans to go look for it. Because we also don't want too many humans poking around our rivers and spreading this unknowingly from river to river. And right now we're finding this New Zealand mud snail mostly in our trout streams. So we're working with our friends in the Trout Unlimited community and the angling community to do what they can to help clean their gear and stop the spread. But we're really excited about this work with Conservation Dogs Collective to have a new tool of you know dogs sniffing out these snails for us.
0: Wow <laughs> that's that, that's amazing you're also touching on something that's kind of interesting which is that uh, some of the people who sign on for these uh, these 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 kind of issues these kind of initiatives these projects uh, do so because they are at heart uh, amateur ecologists or e- environmentalists who care about this from that sort of almost moral or ethical perspective versus, somebody who just likes to go to the beach or somebody who likes to uh fish for trout or whatever but uh and i don't want to i don't know what to call that uh self not it's not that it's selfish exactly but in a sense the motives can be some sometimes a bit self-serving in a sense it it doesn't necessarily have have to do with these kind of big ethical or moral issues about taking care of our planet it's about safeguarding things that happen to be important to you. Is that tricky when you are talking about collaborating, that sometimes you are collaborating with people, uh, with groups or whatever, uh, who are coming at this in a sense for a very different reason, maybe even uh, with a very different sort of agenda. Uh, I mean, is that okay? And is that something by now that you're pretty used to?
2: Uh, Yes and yes. Uh, And, it's definitely been a lesson for me over the years of absolutely uh, folks we work with all come at these issues from different personal perspective and interests and it's, it's human nature. You care more when you're personally impacted. Um, You know, in the central sands is probably a good example. we talked about that before, where we've got, you know, water levels impacted by how much pumping is happening from high capacity wells. For some local folks there, it became a bigger issue when their own lake started to be impacted, right? Their property values were impacted. We had, a, you know, again, the Little Plover River dried up a bit, but we also had a lake or two in the central part of the state. One, Long Lake disappeared, gone. If you own property on that, you all of a sudden cared about an issue a little differently than you did before. You always appreciated that lake and what it brought to you for your recreation. But when your property values are hit, and then what also happened was those communities, their property taxes changed, right? Your property value goes down, the percent of income you're getting from those properties changes. So it's something we are very aware of is, we've got to look at this from all issues. Fortunately, Wisconsin having clean water is a universal thing that people care about. It shows up, you know, we've done polling, other groups have done polling. People know how important that is to our identity here in Wisconsin. But for some folks, it's this economic side that starts to get them to pay a little more notice and become a little more willing to take action. So, you know, we look at all perspectives of uh, these issues. And, you know, for us, it's also part of an evolution we've had as an organization of looking more long term, setting a very long vision for how do we achieve clean water in Wisconsin. Um, we, we've talked about the challenges of past legislative uh, cycles and you know different opinions of the role of government in protecting our waters and it had us take a hard look at you know if we implemented all of the laws we currently have on our books for protecting our water, would we actually have clean water? And our conclusion, our opinion is no that the current system we have is broken. And what we need is a different system. And it's part of these conversations of really looking at you know how do we make decisions? And again, knowing that, again, we believe uh, very sincerely that this is a nonpartisan issue. Having clean water is a nonpartisan issue. But if we don't have a water ethic in the state, we, you know, we're not bringing more. We need to bring more and more people to this issue you know, and help them see how important this is. Again, I believe people know it's important, but really connecting them to our waters and having this water ethic around the state. It's part of why we're doing the referendum campaign, but we also started something we're calling the Wisconsin Water Agenda. And it's looking at how do we create a new system for protecting our water in the state of Wisconsin. Is
0: your your group at all engaged in efforts to get people to curb their water usage or is that left for other advocacy groups
2: for the most part water usage isn't a challenge in Wisconsin currently um again is for i should say for individual homeowners um again we ended up talking a bit about the central part of the state you know right now uh we've had high precipitation in that part of the state so Uh, challenges are actually uh, have minimized, but uh, it's cyclical. So there will be a time in the future, I believe that we will start to see some quantity issues in that part of the state again. But this is where Wisconsin is pretty fortunate. Quantity in the majority part of the state is not an issue, it's quality. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, and you know, with being a such a high freshwater state and being surrounded by two Great Lakes and a lovely Mississippi River, you know, there's been pressure in the past of, well, why can't we just take some of this water and pipe it, you know, to the southwest part of the country or put it in tankers to other parts of the world? That's been discussed before. And that's not that threat is not going away. It's only going to increase. You know, and talked about climate change pressures, you know, as the rest of the world might have water quite, quantity challenges, this part of the country is going to be looked at more and more. And this is also part of why we feel it's very important to have a better system in place to protect our waters before those threats become more and more
1: real.
0: If people are listening and feel like this is an important cause that they want to be a part of, what is it that ordinary citizens can do Uh, not only where they live, but also in terms of maybe being of some kind of assistance, specifically to River Alliance of Wisconsin?
2: Well, my first answer to this question always is find your local watershed group. In this case, it's Pike one right? I I will shout from the rooftops that that is a great organization uh, that folks should learn more about. Uh, we have a map on our website, which is wisconsinrivers.org, and on our local groups page, we have a map of groups just like Group Pike Win all across the state. So for your listeners, you know, you've got several other groups in the region, too, that are doing great work. But if you vacation somewhere else or have a vacation home or have friends and family that live in other parts of the state, you can go on our map and find other groups uh, around the state to get involved with as well. Um, but knowing your local community, knowing your local waters, finding ways to volunteer to help with those established groups in your community, that's my number one recommendation always. Um, next would be to let your elected officials know if you care about water. And when I say elected officials, I mean your town board supervisor, your county board supervisor, your city council, uh, you know, your elder person, all the way up. You know, I think sometimes people get intimidated of like, Do you want me to call my state senator? they're people just like you. So yes, that would be great for you to call them or email them to tell them you care about clean water, but start local, start with you know, your neighbors who are helping you know, make decisions for your community and making sure they understand how important clean water is again to you, your health, your community, the economy of your local community. They need to hear that for more and more people to be convinced to make the decisions they need to do to protect our waters. So those are my top two.
0: Very good, Nan. Do you want to briefly add to what Allison just said so eloquently?
1: Yes, I just hearkening back to um, when we were discussing the differences between urban and rural challenges in terms of clean water. Uh, one of the things, as Allison mentioned, that we are are really passionate about is chloride contamination of our fresh water. So. Um, salt, actually. And this year in our area, we haven't had to use too many deicing chemicals because we haven't had any precipitation that froze. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, we have, a, If you look at a map uh, analyzing chloride contamination over the state of Wisconsin, you'll notice that in rural areas, um, there is some but not much. But then when you look at the Root Pike watershed basin, we are heavily, heavily contaminated with chloride Uh, and and so uh, that's one of the things that we want to raise awareness of and educate people about um, how they can impact that in a a positive way um, and how also uh, Department of Public Works uh, can upgrade their uh, approach to salting and snow and ice removal. Uh, it's really important for our part of the state um, to pay attention to that.
0: Very good. Well, Allison Werner, you've given us uh, lots to think about and have done such a great job of uh, speaking on behalf of River Alliance of Wisconsin. Again, you serve them as their executive director. It, it is wonderful to reconnect with you today, and we appreciate you making time and your busy schedule to be part of the morning show today. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, oh, thank it was you. Lovely we can to talk with both you. Yeah. We could talk to you for hours, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as you tell, I, as you know, I could go
2: on for hours too. But I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity to reconnect with you all and to talk about the
1: riverlands of Wisconsin. Really appreciate it.
0: Fantastic, Nan. I know you have one important announcement you want to make.
1: I do. Speaking about chloride contamination in the Root Pike Watershed Basin as well as other parts of the state, on January twenty fourth through January twenty eighth is Salt Awareness Week. And every day during that week, you can tune in from 1230 to 1 p.m. for a webinar that will cover different topic, topics each day. Uh, there will be uh, guest speakers, experts in their field. Um, and so we highly encourage people to join in if y- they can. But you do have to register. And so you need to go to Wisconsin Salt Wise. That, that's their website, Wisconsin SaltWise. Um, And you can just point and click click to register for the webinars. And we encourage everybody, as many people as we can get, to join in this webinar. Really important stuff about chloride contamination, its impact, and, and the things that we can do about it.
0: Very good. Nan Calvert, we look forward to seeing you in February. Thank you for organizing today's program.
1: My pleasure. I'll see you in February.